Hello, and welcome to the Moncast. My name is Sam. And I'm Stevie. And the current score is 4-3 to Pokemon. And this time we're discussing the 8th episodes, Ken's Secret and Snubble Snobbery. Let's start with Ken's secret. They play football. That's the episode. They play football for like 20 minutes out of the 21 minutes. Most of it is football. I'm not joking. Like seriously, the episode is is mostly football. I'm going to put my hand up now. Like I'm putting my hand up. You can't see it, but it's there. I don't care about football. <laughs> Or soccer. Like, I just, I don't care. I'm a rugby person myself. Don't care about football. So, for an episode of a show, which is aimed at nerdier kids, the idea of making it solely about a sport for an episode was kind of a bad move on the writers. I was fine with it. It was a fun change. Was it, though? Yeah. We could have just had another Dark Spider. Honestly, I would have been okay with that. I mean, we get a Dark Spire anyway. <laughs> literally, the Digimon plot in this episode, it's literally football and then there's a Dark Spire. They pad everything out with football and then they remember it's a Digimon episode for the last like five minutes and then it is a Dark Spire. So it starts off with Davis, who's playing a game of soccer whilst all the other kids are watching. He can play soccer while everybody watches. A bunch of the kids are watching him play football, soccer. I'm going to call it both this episode because I don't know. I can't decide on which one to call it. Foot soccer. Soccer ball. Sport ball. That's what I used to call things like sports that I don't know. Do the thing, win the points. Unless it's golf, in which case it's to play the least amount of golf. So Davis is playing a game of soccer while some of the other kids are watching. And then once the match is over, the coach tells them that the next match they have is against the best team in the area, which is apparently the team that that Brainiac kid is in, which is Ken. Ken Itchy Judgy. Unless you're Yoli, which is Ken Itchy Judgy. Ken Itchy Judgy. Oh, yes, definitely. He's definitely judgy. Actually, no, like in this episode, I've, I've got a couple of notes, which I'll get to whenever he's creepy. But Kenny's just a creepy weirdo. Maybe that's his secret. It's just be creepy and people are like, oh, yeah, he's the best. It's just weird that Yoli, who is apparently obsessed with Ken, is mispronouncing his last name. Or maybe she's the only one getting it right. I'm sure he even says his own name at some point, And it's Itchy Joji. Well, Ken got it wrong then. Oh, clearly. Yeah, so Yoli is doing a web search of Ken, telling everybody how he's won 40, like he scored 45 goals this season or something like that. I don't know how football works. Okay, so I'm sorry for whoever's listening who knows sports. I don't. They use some terms that I don't understand. I know the football. You can be the one to guide me through the world of football then. So he's scored 45 goals, which is a lot. But then like Davis comes to this conclusion that if he can even get close to beating Ken, that he'll become a living legend. And apparently chicks dig a living legend. It's just weird that Davis is 10. And like, I have the same problem with Yo Lee, how they're 10 year olds, but they seem so obsessed with people. I would be happy with Yo Lee being obsessed with Ken because of his intelligence, but not because she just likes him because he's a boy. They like them because they have the opposite parts. They do. One of them has a plug, the other one has a plug socket. Yoli asks Davis to get an autograph for her, and then Cody makes some joke about Yoli wanting to kiss Ken, and she says that she only wants to marry him. I'm like, oh, okay, that's weird. 
She's super obsessed with the idea of legal documentation to bind him to her. You do you, Yoli, that's cool. It's the closest thing to personality Cody's shown, though. Actually, I have a little note later on that, like, he seems to be the only one interested in going to the digital world and doing Digimon stuff, because even when they're back after the matches and stuff, and then they're in the computer room, yeah, he's the one who's, like, at the computer actually searching the digital world. He's like, guys, did you want to get get to the Digimon part of this Digimon Adventure Zero Two? No. No, sports time. Sports ball. Sports ball. Do the thing, win the points. So it cuts to the next day and Davis's team is stretching as they're waiting for the other team to arrive. And then when they get there, they get out the bus and they all notice that Ken isn't there. And then Yuli gets so mad and just yells at Cody for no reason other than Ken's not there. And it's clearly Cody's fault. It's always Cody's fault. I feel like he's the one who's like least interested in all of this stuff. He's not interested in anything. But like, I like the idea of him not really wanting to go and watch football, but because everybody else is going, he's like, well, I guess I gotta go now. And he's just sat there. So they notice that Ken's not on the bus. And then the other teammates tell Davis, because Davis runs over to them and says, you know, where's Ken? The other teammates say that Ken's got a drinks commercial to record and then he's got going to have a softball named after him. So he doesn't really have time to play soccer anymore. So Davis gets a little upset. And then Ty calls Davis over and speaks to him. And he says that even if Ken isn't here, he should still try his hardest because he's facing off against a winning team from last season, which makes sense because Davis is so focused on beating Ken and being better than Ken and proving he's as good as Ken in actuality. And I, there's problems with this later on as well, where it seems so focused on Ken that people seem to forget, no, there's teammates. It's an entire team that's winning. No, it's just Ken. I'll talk about it when we get to it after, because I keep jumping ahead a lot, but it's, that's because the entire episode is sports and you can't really talk about sports in order because it's literally someone kicked the ball and somebody else kicked the ball, somebody else kicked the ball, end. Sport ball. Sport ball, do the thing, win the points. Let's kick it up, starts playing. And then we get this shot of the entire football field. And then random still scenes from the match start flashing up because they didn't want to actually animate any actual sport ball. And montage is cooler. Yeah, I mean, it's better than actually watching football. Harsh. The images that pop up, they're quite nice because they're like Davis diving at a ball or like a ball being kicked into goal. It looks quite cool. It's better than seeing it in motion, which could just, which would have just been Davis running with a ball. I don't know. I'm thinking too much about sport ball. I enjoyed the football portion. Don't you watch football though? Yeah, sometimes. Even if you like football 1%, you still like it 1% more than I do. I, I, I just don't, I don't, I can't. It's not bad. I, I understand the, the point of it and, and people enjoying it. I just, it's really not my thing. I think it's mostly because I've got two left feet and can't kick a ball. So at this point, I'm assuming it's half time because they're taking a break. And I assume that the only time you take a break in football is half time. Yes. Well deduced. And Davis's team has got one goal whilst the other team hasn't scored a single point, which tells me that like they're kind of neck and neck team wise. Pretty much. But Davis is like, because of his personality of being kind of bold and, and rushing into stuff, he's had more opportunities to score a goal, which is good. So he's probably one of the better ones out of the entire group. This is when Ken just turns up. It's like, oh, I fancy turning up and playing some football. Put me in to play the sport ball, Mr. Coach. His coach asks him if he can put him in the game. And Ken's like, if that's what you want. And like, Ken's full creepy. The way he talks is like, if that's what you want. Why are you so quiet and creepy, you weird child? But everyone seems like, oh my god, it's Ken. And he's like, I'm going to be the best at everything because I like to do the thing. I've come to play some football. You're speaking so quietly, Discord cuts you off. 
That's how Ken talks, though. He talks really quiet. He thinks he's better than everybody else. But if that's what you want, I'll go play the sports ball and I'll be the best at it. Oh, he's a creepy child. Oh, no. Go away. You could go over there, Ken, and just go play with some ducks or something. We'll finish the game. You weird, weird boy. But... It's anime, so everybody loves Ken because he's the best and they put him in the game. And this is where Ty and everybody else... This is apparently quite a uh, famous scene in Digimon for some reason and I I'm, I don't quite get it. But it's when everybody shouts support to Davis and then we get Ken going, some nice friends you got there, Davis. It's just the way he says it. Like, I've seen it, like, people have recorded it and, like, it's on Tumblr and stuff. And I'm not sure why, but I kind of get it. Because it's weird. <laughs> Is it because Ken's just an absolute creep? He's weird. Because he's a creep. He's a weirdo. That was a bad note. You assume I can sing? I can barely talk. Okay, so they're like stood. You run around. I run around. We all run around. Well, run, run around. The ref blows run, the run whistle. Around, run around. And run then... around. Run, 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 run around. There's. You when... run around. Whenever. I run around. Okay, I'm going to just make gross burp noises. We all run around, run, run around. You get to listen to my indigestion, enjoy that. It seems like a lot of Digimon songs are quite well suited to football. What about running around and kicking it up and going digital? Well, maybe not that one. Here we go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They also don't seem to like actual lyrics. Right, so yeah, when the ref blows the whistle, Ken steals the ball. When he steals the ball, if you look at the the little shot, it's literally they've taken the still image of Ken's like shoulders and up, and they click and they drag it quickly off the screen. <laughs> like he doesn't move, but the entire like still of him just moves, and it looks really weird because like there's supposed to be motion, but because he's like it's not a moving image, his hair doesn't move, so he goes from standing still to just like zipping off the screen, and his hair's perfectly still. And they do it in that shot, and there's another shot straight after where they do the exact same thing again, like as it's slightly further away when he goes across. But then when he passes Davis, they do the same thing, and it just looks really weird because he's just like motionless, but also zipping across the screen. But then we get some like run around, and Ken's running around and scores the goals. He scores a lot of the goals. Now, this is where I have a bit of an issue. Like, I can't really imagine the rest of his team really wanting to play with Ken. Because if you want to play the game, you kind of want to play the game. But I imagine with Ken getting so many points and everything, I assume that he's got the ball all the time. So what are the other teammates doing? He talks about tactics and formations and things. So he's getting the others involved somehow. But for what? Are they just blocking other players? Yes, they're all just punching the other players in the face. It seems like they're either going to be blocking the other players or they're just going to be passing the ball to Ken because Ken's getting so many goals. It would have been cool if they had it so that other people were scoring goals, but it's because of Ken's tactics. If they showed him doing that, it would have been so much better. That's not what Ken is, though. Ken isn't a team player. Ken is a wonder child that doesn't need anybody else. It takes away from the entire team and it makes me feel like, I don't know. Ken is the shining star that carries the team because that's what he is. He's the star striker. It's like you're playing a game of Pokemon, three-way battle, and you're all there with your level 20 Pikachu and your friend's there with their level 20 Charmander, and then somebody else turns up and they've got like a level 100 Mewtwo, and you're like, oh, well, I guess we're going to win now and work as a team. And it's like, well, no, he's just leveling everybody because he's got the strongest Pokemon. It's like, just, are you really going to enjoy yourself whilst you're there, like doing things that aren't really important because you're not the one who's doing all the winning? Why are you so focused on feeling sorry for these imaginary kids that are playing alongside Ken? Because this entire episode is about football, so I'm going to talk about football and it's the sports and the teams. I'm sure they'll deal with it for the fame and accomplishment. 
it bothers me that it's all so focused on Ken. Like you can make him be amazing, but you can make him be amazing in a way that works well with other people. His name's in the episode title. It's Ken's episode. It's not Ken's team's secret. True. Okay, fine. Let's get on with this sports ball. Ken wins. The match, yeah, the match ends and it's 9-1 to Ken's team. But right before the match ends, Ken's doing a play. It's called a play, apparently. Aren't they playing the game? Yeah, but a play is like a specific tactic that they might have. Okay, so it's like a, it's like a special move. Yeah, like a certain combination of moves. That makes sense. So like he's got this one which he does at this specific time and stuff and basically like it's never failed him. But Davis tackles Ken and this is when like he slices his leg a bit because he's scraped his shoe against him. And Ken says how this never fails and Davis is like, well, it failed against me. And then Ken goes, well, you're not a perfect human being. Which is cool. Like Davis knows they've lost, but he's just happy enough knowing that they tackled Ken and physically hurt him and should have been given a yellow card at least. Yeah, I thought that like injuring another player is not supposed to happen. I was I was sure that that's the thing that you're like, supposed to be like, actually, no, you can't do that. You didn't play the ball. I don't know what that means. When you tackle someone, you're supposed to go after the ball, not the other player's legs. So when he slide tackled into Ken's leg, that was almost definitely a foul. What's a foul? When you do something that you shouldn't do and the referee blows a whistle and tells you off. What's a whistle? You've seen Digimon the movie with Kari having a whistle. No, I haven't. Don't lie to me. What's what's the Digimon movie? I'm joking. Okay, I didn't know about the, the kick in the person, not the ball thing, which makes sense. Otherwise, it turns into like red card soccer or something. Yeah, a yellow card's like half a red card. Don't you need to get three yellow cards to get a red card, then it gets sent off? It's two yellows. Close enough. But Ken's just like, yeah, you're a worthy adversary, Davis. For some reason. And then they shake hands and stuff. And like, we're a good like 15 minutes into the episode now. Like halfway. We're quite far in. We're further than I thought would be for just sports. So the kids are walking home and Davis is talking about how he played against Ken and stuff. And he says that he bets one day that him and Ken will be playing on the same team. And it pans across to creepy weirdo Ken Ichijuji hiding on the top of one of those footbridges staring at them like a weirdo saying evil things in his head ken is a creep and a weirdo and he's all just like i'm going to defeat you one day children and it's like stop this you 10 year old weirdo like he had to go and do that like soft drink advert mm, buy this drink it'll be fantastic it tastes really good yes look at this amazing human being it's delicious i'm humbled by how delicious it is Ken, you're so weird. It's weird because I like later on Ken, but seeing him now in his emo face is so weird. And then it cuts to them in the computer room the next day, and Yoli wants to shake Davis's hand, basically because Davis shook Ken's hand. She wants to touch Davis's hand because it touched his hand, but she can't because it won't be the same. And it's like, eh, it's weird. It's like, it's weird when Davis does this to Kari, and it's weird when Yoli does it to Ken. I just, it's weird. Also, Yoli's a lesbian. We know this. Cody, who apparently seems to be the only one who wants to go and do Digimon stuff in this episode, is at the computer and says that the, the, the map's got a new control spire and it's like a single black square in this sea of white squares. Well, they've done a lot of destroying spires then. So then we get, here we go, and everybody goes into the digital world because they've got to go and destroy this control spire. And as they're walking, they're in, I can't remember the name of the, the valley, but it's like the valley of 
death and despair or something like that i don't know but they're walking through this empty space full of blotchy backgrounds and then everybody except davis and vimon get swallowed up by the um ground and davis starts digging the ground to try and save them as the emperor calls out to him so davis runs up and finds the emperor and tells him to let his friends go and it turns out that the emperor has kidnapped all the other kids and he has them hanging from this like natural forming arch over a canyon so they're all being tied up by rope but he then calls out a Deltamon, which is a giant Digimon. I didn't think it would be that big. But yeah, Deltamon basically looks like Vidramon if it went angry. And replaced its hands with other heads. One head's made of metal and one's made of skeleton. The word is bone, Sam. But it's a pretty scary design for a Digimon. Like a three-headed thing, but its heads are its arms and it can fire beams. But then the Emperor says that Davis needs to beg for his friends to be saved so davis like immediately without thinking just drops to his knees and starts begging and then the emperor's like say please master spare my friends and then davis is saying it and then he's getting to say more stuff and vimon's like why are you doing this you shouldn't be doing this and he's like if it's gonna save our friends i'm gonna humiliate myself which is cool like i like davis in this little bit this is the first real challenge he's had as a leader quote unquote even though i don't feel like he's a leader i feel like this scene really helps us go okay maybe he has the potential to be a leader as he surrenders but it's not really surrendering. He's letting himself be humiliated if it means saving his friends. Like he, he hasn't got any sense of, he's not being like, oh, well, it's below me to let myself look like an idiot. So then once the emperor's made Davis beg enough, he says that Deltamon has three mouths and there are four kids. So that Davis must choose one kid to be spared, which I really like this idea. Like he's being super grim and dark. He's like, okay, you've got all these friends. You can only save one of them. So who are you going to save? And naturally I immediately thought, oh, well, he's going to pick Kari because he likes Kari and stuff. But then he just has trouble thinking about it because he, he wants to save them all, which I, I like. Like it could have been pretty bad. He was like, oh, I'll pick Kari. Oh no, wait, someone else. Oh no, wait, someone else. Nah, like he doesn't actually make a decision. So then the Empress like gets like a little egg timer. The thought of him putting it in his pocket and being like, oh yes, I'll use this egg timer later to time him for his friend's d- d- demise. And he's just there with this little pink egg timer as he's making evil grand speeches and making him beg for mercy. It's great. So he's got this egg timer and then Davis can't pick who he's going to save because he wants to save everybody. And then Delta One goes to attack the kids and then Davis is like, take me instead. So he wants to sacrifice himself and let himself get eaten so that he can spare the rest of the group. And then as Delta One walks towards Davis, its leg falls into a hole and then the other Digimon fly above Davis's head as the other kids run up behind him. And it turns out that the kids being tied up are just back him on in disguise and have you seen the in-between shots of the fake kids turning into the Bakemon? No, I've not. Like halfway between the kids and Bakemon because they're horrifying. Like Gatomon, Cody and Yoli are particularly like, oh God, Cody becomes almost like a potato. <laughs> it's horrifying, but it's it's quite cool. So I like the idea of this. The He's making Davis be humiliated and then have to make tough decisions. He's basically torturing Davis, even though he knows that this is all like a big plan. I can't decide whether us not knowing what happened to the other kids is better or worse because obviously there's the tension in it but from what we see of them they literally fall into a hole and then suddenly they're there later on yeah they just show up which i, I think is good for the tension of when we think they're actually kidnapped but it does kind of make you go well, well what were they doing then because they're all evolved and stuff which tells me that they had some sort of grand adventure they had to break out of somewhere and then they had to fight some other digimon and it was all a big battle and i feel like that was the fun stuff instead we get davis begging which is still good but i feel like there was some fun stuff happening off 
camera that we should have maybe have seen. But Veemon evolves as the Bakemon start attacking all the other Digimon. And Davis decides to run at the Emperor and then he tackles him to the ground when he's not noticing. And this is where TK says a line. Back when they were playing football, he says that he commands his team like a general leading an army. And then he also says the exact same thing now, which I thought was a nice little hint at the Emperor's identity. So then they do this thing where Davis is essentially surfing on the Emperor. As they slide down a hill, like he's using him like a boogie board. Like literally they're like sliding down rocks and stuff. And the Emperor's just like, if there was a single like big rock in their way, it would have smacked into the back of the Emperor's head and he would have died. Because the speed they're going, he's immense. But no, he's just there like smiling smug as they both slide down the hill. It's just so cool. Just, you can ride me down a hill and I won't even flinch. And then this is where Flamedron, the Fire of Courage, attacks Deltamon. Deltamon does this thing where... All of his mouths fire out a blue beam, which meet in the middle and they fire. And then Flame Demon uses fire rocket at it and like flies through the attack, which is pretty cool. It destroys the ring. Yep. And then this weird thing happens where that dark ring gets destroyed. And then all the Bakumon start failing, which has never happened before. Like because they destroyed the one dark ring, all the others are being like, oh, wait, what's happening? They're not attacking anymore. But I guess they just needed a plot reason to wrap up the episode because they spent so much time playing football. We didn't actually see a dark spire anywhere, did we? We see it when they get there, and then it also gets destroyed, like, now. I don't remember how, though, and I literally watched it maybe an hour ago. <laughs> there was some vague thing that happened, and it got destroyed. But this is where... Now I have problems with the episode, because the Emperor says that he can't believe Davis made him look like a fool twice in the same day. And then Davis asks how the Emperor got the cut on his leg. And this is when the Emperor just goes, oh yeah, by the way, I'm Ken. And I'm like, okay, why would you do this, though? Ken now knows, after today, who the kids are. Like, he knows where they are in the world. He's got this upper hand. He has this advantage of knowing them in the real world. And he could find ways to stop them. He's a genius. He could have done things like, you know, maybe had it so that the internet's cut out from the school or something. Or, like, I love the idea of the kids starting to be terrorised in the human world as well. Would be quite fun to explore like maybe for an episode or two where these things start going wrong and they're like we can't get to digital world in time because of these things that ken sets up but instead ken goes yeah by the way it's me guys for no reason what would have been pretty cool is ken doesn't reveal that he's the emperor and then davis sees the cut on his leg because he does see the cut on his leg but it's so inconsequential it's like how do you get the cut on the leg oh yeah by the way i'm ken it would have been cool for them to try and solve the mystery instead of it just being given to them it just feels so arbitrary that ken knows who these kids are for one day and has this advantage and then goes nope gonna even the playing field by literally just telling them who i am for no reason it bothers me that that's a thing that they just that something they could have worked with and instead they just decided to settle on an easy reveal i don't think that ken is a digimon emperor do you not no why i think that someone else is a digimon emperor uh-huh but ken is pretending to be the emperor on the emperor's behalf so that they don't go after the real digimon emperor why would you say this because we know that Ken works for the Digimon Emperor, but I don't think that he has the brains to actually be the entire... He could play so much chess at once, I'm pretty sure he could be the Emperor. Although, you said that, like, I genuinely think that would have been such a good idea, using him as, like, a proxy or an avatar. Like, Ken's somehow getting this boosted knowledge and power and ability from somebody who's then going, you have to do these things for me. That would have been such a good idea. And then he could also go with loosely into the idea of ken being almost addicted to this stuff which gives him this this knowledge and this power and like he needs it because that's who he is now and he's such a famous person he's so intelligent people love him he's got to have this i don't know it could be like a fluid that he has to like have or maybe it's like code that he gets given like every other day and he's like he needs it because that's 
making him who he is and that's why he's so he doesn't want to mess up because if he messes up then he doesn't get this stuff anymore and then he's not going to be famous ken the rocket Ichijuji. so i like your idea i think it's true ken isn't the digimon emperor the taking is all for fools he's not evil enough to be the evil digimon emperor he's just creepy He's just a creepy child. But yeah, so the episode literally ends with him jumping up and then an Aerodromon takes him away. Yay, he got away. I don't understand now why they know who he is. They literally go to his house, kick his door down, like slap the mom in the face, kick down Ken's bedroom door, finds him, just beats the c*** out of him and smashes his computer and be like, you stay away from the Digmans and then leave. I don't know why they don't do that. Probably because it's illegal. And also, Cody's not big enough to do that. Then get the Ogumon to blow up the house, make it look like a gas accident. I'm just saying, just a little bit of murder, and all of this would have been prob- like solved. We've discussed solving your problems with murder before. You shouldn't do that, Sam. You have to stop doing that. Never. Stop the murders. <sighs> Fine. I'll cut them down. I'll half them, like 50 a week instead. No, you have to cut it clean. No one murders. Promise me, Sam. Promise me no one murders. Any more notes for this episode? Yes. There's some good jokes throughout the whole thing. Like, we finally get the famous joke, where is he? Is he? We're waiting for Ken. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot. Oh, I love that joke. Like, it's it's one of my favourite ones for Motu. It's, it's so good. And it comes from TK for some reason. TK's not smart. He can't do jokes. Don't you feel like TK's not really got smarter as he's got older not really he just got taller and a bigger hat oh can i also just quickly mention as well how patamon when patamon's tied up on the bridge like his ears are tied up and then he's just in a bag it's kind of cute it makes no sense the bag would just fall off his arms are free in there what is it with patamon and not actually being in danger but i like the idea of him being like i could just break free but i won't because i won't how would you get kids tied to the bottom of the arch? Because that's a tall arch. Especially in the short amount of time as well. I just imagine the Digimon Emperor on a cherry picker, just tying kids up. Well, he has an Airdromon. He could fly along on Airdromon and have them tied up. I mean, Airdromon would have to flap the wings very quickly to stay stationary. I don't know. I don't I don't know. It was for the plot. Other things. There's a recurring joke throughout the whole episode where Yoli says, somebody pinched me, and then she goes, ow, because somebody pinched her. Oh, yeah, because she's super obsessed with Ken Ichijuju. And they just keep asking her if she needs pinching. And she also just gets mad at Cody so much. Because Cody's the worst. He's actually not. He's alright this episode because he doesn't say too much. Who do you think is creepier, Ken or Cody? Ken. Cody's just quiet and an idiot. Ken's actively like, mm, I will defeat you evil children. Cody's so lifeless though. He doesn't look human. Any more notes or shall we get to the last little bits? I think Ken did a great job of impersonating the Emperor. Why, why are you coming up with this weird theory? Because we know that... Because I refuse to believe that Ken is the Emperor. They're clearly two separate entities. To be fair, like, from what we know of the reasons why Ken's like this, I kind of believe that. I believe that the things that are making him the way... Are we spoiler-free or we do we care about spoilers? We don't care about spoilers. Because of the Dark Spore, I do feel like it's given him almost like a, a separate personality, which is the Emperor. The evil Digimon Emperor. The evil Digimon Emperor. I like that theory that this isn't Ken being Ken. This is him, his personality being split, one being repressed, which is Ken Ken. And the other one being this persona, this, this emperor that he, he becomes. This perfect human being. 
According to the laws of physics. But no, you literally just have to see a Digimon to be a Digidestined. No, laws of physics. So to be a perfect human being, you have to look at a Digimon. Any more notes or shall we get on to the standout character stuff? Uh, last thing I want to say is that when the Digimon show up to save Davis, Vimon calls out the names in the wrong order, which just makes me quite happy in how lazy they are, that they can't even be bothered putting the names in the right order. They just absolutely don't care. Who was your standout character? My standout character was Ken's ankle. Okay. Because he has perfect ankles, so he must be the perfect Digidestined. I do like how this entire episode is, I'm going to talk to Davis because he kicked my ankle. Pretty much. And he didn't get a yellow card, when he clearly should have. He should have, but instead I'm going to give Ken a red card for his attitude after. My standout character is Ken's soccer team, because they've literally got this creepy weird kid taking all the glory and all the goals, and they're still like, I'd rather be a winner on a team and do nothing and let the kid win than not be on a winning team. They're probably just kind of but football. What was your favourite thing? I'm not going to say Ken's ankle again. My favourite thing is Ken's face as he gets pushed down a hill and just doesn't care. A single rock cracked his skull completely open he would have died. I would love to see that show. Like, they're sliding down and it's like, oh shit, we've killed the child. What do we do? There's like police investigations into finding out what happens and stuff and the kids are all freaking out because now there's like police involved and everything and they have to hide the body wherever they hid the body they've buried it in the digital world but oh my god, what's happening? I'm just saying Davis had a bad idea and they could have killed Ken. My favourite thing was the fact that Ken created this decision that for Davis, like he planned this trap specifically to humiliate Davis and he wanted Davis to suffer. But Davis just like straight up was like, no, if he's going to make me be humiliated to save my friends, I'll do it. Like, I feel like he's the sort of kid who, if some bullies had his friend and they were like, you need to eat this jar of worms in order to save your friend. He'd be like, yep, give me them worms. Nom, 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 nom. He'll do something without thinking. And not that he hasn't got a sense of self-pride, but I feel like he's happy to just let his pride go if it means helping people. So, yeah, I, I like that. I thought it was quite good. Filler or not filler? I'm going to say that it's not filler. Because of the reveal? Yes, the big reveal that Ken is supposedly the Digimon Emperor. I think it's half filler because 80% of the episode is football. Football is important. I get it was important. It's character development for Davis. He develops into a living legend. We're supposed to care that Davis gets his heart broken when he finds out Ken's the Emperor. I feel like this should have happened over a couple episodes. The idea of them having like a minute or two in every other episode where they're watching him play sports and then he constantly talks about how he wants to go up against Ken and he has the match against Ken and a couple episodes later they find out about the Emperor. That would have been good but because they crammed it all into one episode it didn't really feel that impactful. It was more like you need to feel sorry for Davis now because you found out about the Emperor. I just didn't feel that. Overall thoughts? I enjoyed it. It was a good change of pace just in general. Football was new. The Digimon Emperor's scheme was new. It was a good episode. I liked the last bit with the Digimon. I'm not super into football, as I've said. And then I felt with, with the actual playing of the game, there were problems with Im imbalanced team and stuff. But I like the fact that the kids have gone to watch Davis play a game. It shows that they're supporting each other and everything in the things they do, which is nice. But it, it's nice to see them doing extra stuff with each other. Anything else or shall we leave that here? I'm dying. Next up is Snubbles Snobbery. The kids are in the majestic town of Palm Hills. Anytime that it's not a place from the game, it's going to be a filler episode. At best, he'll catch a Pokemon, but at worst, it'll be completely inconsequential. 
but it doesn't mean we can't have fun along the way. That's very true, and this episode is quite fun. And it also gives them the opportunity for us to learn more about Ash and Co and see them responding to different scenarios. One day we'll go somewhere else and Co will actually be different people to Brock and Misty. It will forever be Ash and Co. Okay, so Palm Hills is a town known for its huge mansions and sweeping lawns. Brock seems to have every tourist guide ever. Brock is always the one that gives them the information about the place they're going to. If we didn't have Brock telling us all this stuff, there's a good chance we would have no idea what's going on. So Brock is the exposition dump. That's his role. So they start off getting really excited and giddy looking at all of these massive mansions everywhere. Just marvelling at the massive lawns and the weird decorations. I know the place is fairly generic, but it looks kind of nice. It's, it's like a, just a quiet... It, there's no other people. Like, we don't really see other people except the people who are involved in the episode. But considering we've had forests or generic city for a while, this is nice to have. Like, It's not quite a city. It's like a suburb and it's quiet and it's got massive buildings. It's quite nice. It's different enough. I think I've said it before several times and I'll keep saying it. I don't want them to be in a forest anymore. They've spent the majority of the season in a forest, and I don't I don't think we need any more forest time. So they stop at this one specific house, which is like got a huge lawn full of art pieces, and they look kind of almost like Tetris shapes and weird abstract shapes just jutting out of the floor. Cool. Oh yeah, also the house is pink. It's an odd mansion. Ash says, I wouldn't want to mow that lawn, and Misty says, I bet you could play hide and seek in all those rooms. And then Brock says, I wonder if they'd let us camp on their lawn. And then Misty goes, somehow I don't think so, Brock. And it's just a nice little exchange between each other. Like, normally the kids will say something negative or make a joke at each other's expense. They're just excited at this house. Yeah, like, they're just there, just enjoying looking at this house that they could potentially never own themselves. We hear, um, like, behind them there's a group of either servants or butlers or something, and they're searching for something. We don't find out yet. Butlers butling, searching for something. Then it's then it's Snubbel. Snubble. How do they spell it? S-N-U-B-B-E-L. No, it's like L-E. Isn't that how you spell it? No, it's spelled like bull. This is where I find out I've been spelling it wrong all these years. After the title screen, Misty finds a map of all these famous people's houses and wants to go check them out. Ash thinks it's a silly idea, and Brock says it'd be boring. So Misty decides to tell Brock that some famous actresses live there, and Brock's immediately on board. I think this is Misty just enabling Brock, like you're super into being creepy to girls, so here's where they live. It bugs me that they've had a sudden dramatic shift in being really interested in this massive house to suddenly not being interested in massive houses. Actually, yeah. Yeah, that that is weird. There's just no consistency whatsoever. I think it's more that Misty wants to spend an afternoon looking at all the houses, as opposed to they're walking into town to, like, shops and services. And on the way there, they're looking at places as they go past. But I think this is more, I want to actively follow this path of places and look at these houses. I'm still not fond of it. I do kind of understand that there is this this weird tone shift of them spending some time enjoying looking at houses. And then Misty's like, let's look at houses. And they're all like, no, that'll be boring. And a Growlithe runs around the corner, doesn't it? A Growlithe comes running up to them and it's got something attached to its tail. And it's a snubble spelt. Snubble, not snubble. Snubble. And then it shakes snubble and it just like flies off its tail and basically lands in front of people. Okay, so I've got a bit of a rant here. Normally I complain about how the plot always tends to find them or that they somehow get caught up in other people's affairs in order to make the plot happen. But I'm kind of okay with this. Like, this is less the plot's happening 
at them. It's more, they find a Pokemon and it's got like a ribbon on its ear and it's clearly got an owner. And based on the way Ash, Brock and Misty are, you know, they love Pokemon and they really like love seeing the one, the Pokemon in it. It's completely within their character to want to go and help Snubble find its owner as opposed to, I guess we'll be doctors now. So I'm okay with this. I'm okay with the Pokemon just appearing in front of them. Literally straight after that, a servant comes up to them and says they found Snubble and then the owner appears and wants to reward them. I'm like, okay, fine. It's not as good. Like I would have been happy seeing a minute or two of them going through all the mansions and stuff and and calling to see if they can find the owner of the snubble instead of literally their snubble lands in front of them they don't really interact with the snubble it's just next to them and then one of the services is like oh you found the snubble yeah let's congratulate you with all these rewards because they were just stood there they stopped the growlers but they didn't intentionally do that it just felt really quick from problem solution this isn't the proper problem this episode the problem is that this woman is pampering her dog so much Okay, do we ever get her name? Should we give her a name? I think she should be Judy. Judy? Just Judy. Is that spelt D-J-O-O-D-I? Where'd you get DJ from? D-J-O-O-D-I. I don't get how it starts with a DJ. DJ can be a J sound as well. It, I... Like name Django? No! <laughs> Like the name Django, it's got a D and a J at the start, even though it's a silent D. Okay, whatever. So Snubble's owner arrives and starts hugging Snubble, but Snubble's clearly annoyed at them. So grumpy. To be fair, she's wearing yellow pearls, large round pink earrings and a red dress. And she's also got like pale blue hair. So her outfit's clashing a lot. So I totally would get why Snubble want to leave her alone. It's like your attempt at a fashion joke. No, it's not a joke. I'm being serious. She's wearing, like, an awful outfit. Considering she's supposed to be really wealthy, like, insanely wealthy, couldn't she just afford some fashion sense? Wow. Harsh. Sick burn. In all seriousness, no. She asks Ash and Co to join her for lunch because they saved Snubble. So they end up going to the big pink house that they stopped at before with the weird art. And she's apparently got a giant travelator on her driveway. So instead of walking up it, they stand there and this giant thing just takes them along. This way they don't have to do a walking animation. Oh my god, I could see that being a thing that they did. But it is in fitting with her character. Of her wanting a massive driveway, but also not wanting to walk a bit. Well, she's pampered. It's never explained where she got all this money from. You don't have to explain it, because I feel like the explanation would be, my husband passed away because he's rich, because I'm a woman and I'm not allowed my own wealth. I have to inherit it from somewhere. But all the way... On the journey to this house, you can see Snubbles squirming to try and get out of her arms. And it makes me quite unhappy. And Brock notices that as well, though. He uh, he says, hmm, and everything. Yeah, a lot a lot of the time, Brock or Ash notice Snubble being Snubble in this episode. It is then going, hmm, like in the most unsubtle way. It is implied that I'm thinking that maybe Snubble doesn't want to be here. Hmm... So they walk around this mansion and Misty says that they have so many rooms. And then this woman asks Jeeves because every butler and everything is always called Jeeves. Even though that's not a name that exists. Like no one's called Jeeves anymore. What a shame. Asks how many rooms they have. And apparently at last count, they had 86. At last count? Do they just keep showing up in this weird pocket dimension of a, of a mansion? They have to keep counting because otherwise some of the rooms might get away. I like the idea of her looking out of a window and there's just a small bathroom on two really long thin legs running away. And she's like, get that bathroom back here. 
There could be a Pokemon that's just a room. Okay. So apparently they're planning to add more rooms to the West Wing. And Snubble has a wing. He's got like... She. Pardon? She has got a wing. Did I say he? The Snubble's a she because she has pink ribbons. Oh, yeah. Okay. And that's how gender works. Mm-hmm. If not, it'll be blue. Or in the case of this episode, a top hat and monocle. That's what you've got to ask in every relationship. Which one of you's the ribbon and which one's the top hat and monocle? With a bone. He has a bow. He has a boner. Moving on. So Snubble has a Saturday bedroom, a walk-in closet. She has bedrooms for different days of the week. She has a lot of stuff. Ash says that if he were Snubble, he would prefer to be running around in the large garden because he's at a window and he looks outside and there's got to be a good couple acres. And there's also the beginning of what looks like a hedge maze. The woman says that she never lets Snubble out because it's harsh sun and polluted air. And this is where Brock notices Snubble struggling again. And he goes, hmm. So then they get shown Snubble's private bubble bath, but it's actually more like a private hot spring. I think it's just a translation thing. They couldn't go. In Japan, there are things called hot springs, which are like places where hot water come up from the earth and it's really good for you. But we can't do that because you don't really have that in ye old England. So instead, it's a bubble bath with green water but i've got to admit it does look really relaxing in that bath so the woman judy says she's paid every expense to make sure that snubble is happy which spared no expense and brock mutters under his breath like so passive aggressively that he's not so sure about that which to be fair all these things look so expensive but they're so extra like you don't need to have your own personal hot spring and stuff you can just have a bath it's fine snubble wants none of it yeah no snubble seems more like the sort of pokemon that just wants to go and roll in mud because it's it's basically a dog it is a dog it's a fairy pokemon it's just like a pug it's one of the ones that got retroactively turned into a fairy type so it's lunchtime and they go and eat in the dining room. Apparently Misty's thing in this episode is she has to go, oh, these things are all amazing because I have to be the one filled with wonder. Because I'm a girl and I like luxuries. Yes, she does. She's described as a tomboy and everything that we see her description in. But she's got to like the lady things because girl. She says she's never seen a dining room so big. And the woman says that it's nothing than humble little breakfast nook. This room is bigger than my entire house. But it's apparently a little breakfast nook. This woman has so much money and is so extra that she wants to create rooms bigger than houses with a single table in. If she can afford to do it, why not go for it? I don't know. Just... uh, So the table's filled with lots of delicious food and they start to chow down, but Snubble's turning her nose up at the food. Brock notices this and says he's got something in his backpack that Snubble could eat. And they are popcorn balls. Are you sure they're not donuts? They're hamburgers. (laughs) They're donut hamburger popcorn balls. No, they're rice balls. They're literally just rice balls. They're also donuts and hamburgers. And then Ash says that there's no way Snubble will want to eat them because even he hates them, which is weird because Brock's the one who makes the food and apparently he's like really good at it. But Snubble begins to eat them and Brock says that he thinks Snubble just wants a taste of reality, which is weird because I think the idea is that Snubble likes simpler tastes and this the food on the table's all really complex, expensive, lavish food and Snubble's happy you're just eating like simple rice balls. Oh, popcorn balls in big quotation marks i just don't get like it's a bigger stretch for a kid to be shown this and say it's popcorn balls which it doesn't look like popcorn balls or whatever they're supposed to be they're things that don't exist but if you tell a kid that's a ball of rice with jam in it you can even just say it's a ball of rice and i'm pretty sure a kid won't be like oh my god what is that i don't know what's going on what is america anymore i don't know and start screaming and running around it's okay kids will understand that this is 
rice in a shape. It's okay. We have our turkey in the shape of small dinosaurs that we eat. I'm pretty sure we can cope with rice being in a triangle shape. And that was food moments. So we go outside into the garden and we see, we, do, we don't, but the, the camera, like, what's going on now? Why are we going outside? The scene is taken outside to Team Rocket, who are hiding behind a hedge because Team Rocket have to be here. Sneaky sneaks. Meowth says that any swanky place like this must have more dough than a pizza parlor. And Jesse says they probably have the pizza parlor too. Because they're rich. Meowth says, James would know, who was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. James says, yes, but they had to remove it right away to make room for my foot. So there's a few good jokes there. It's really good that they're actually referencing James's backstory, because it means that it actually mattered. He tells them that growing up rich was terrible, that he was always bored, and sometimes the servants would take him fishing in his pool, which is sad, because he never caught anything. So, like, he did have a pretty sheltered life. A bit like Snubble, like, spent all his time in the house with stuff and didn't really get to spend time with other people apart from people who were paid to serve him so jesse and me now they're having none of it and they give him like no sympathy whatsoever jesse says stop fishing for sympathy because he talks about the fishing in the pool and then meow goes we're gonna smash you till every bone in your body knows what it's like to be broke team rocket are just great okay like these jokes that they've said are the best jokes of this entire episode and they're just good they're good kids and they need to be protected it's honestly just really impressive that they couldn't get an entire conversation and have almost every line be a joke and a good joke at that they make me happy what team rocket yeah honestly i say it every time they're there i I love team rocket they're just good as a kid i used to dislike them because i was like oh they always do the same thing but now it's like at least they always do the same thing but it's good they change it up enough to make it not boring. Like, I'm not bored of the motto or anything at all yet, so... And that's saying something when we're, like, 60 episodes into Pokemon. Anyway, where does it go from here? Team Rocket decide to break in, but as they're deciding to break in, Snubble just comes across their path and bites Meowth. So, servants appear and start chasing them, and Team Rocket is trying to run away from them, and then Ash and Co suddenly get in the way to stop them, and Jesse grabs Meowth and starts swinging him around until Snubble flies off the tail and lands in his owner's arms, because that's how physics works. Her owner's arms. Oh, so I just, when I think of Snubble, I think of the one from Pikachu's Vacation. This Snubble's a girl because of the ribbons, Sam. Maybe it doesn't have to be. Maybe the owner doesn't even know. It's clearly a girl. So, James makes Weezy new smokescreen, and then they all run away and hide. And then Brock's staring at Snubble again, because Snubble's once again struggling in her owner's arms. And once again, Brock goes, hmm. So, everyone sat drinking tea, and Brock mentions how Snubble seems unhappy. And the woman says that she's just nervous as it's her wedding day. And it's like, what? Okay. From okay, this was never mentioned before, but apparently today is her wedding day. As in Snubble's wedding day, not the ladies. It's it's Snubble's wedding day. So she shows everyone a photo of a Snubble in a top hat and monocle because boy, not only a boy, a rich boy. Oh yes, he is a rich boy. So Ash and Co just look devastated at the thought of two Pokemon marrying each other because that's what their owners want for them and not what they want. Basically, it's an arranged Pokemon marriage. It's essentially two people get their dogs married together because they're bored rich white women and they don't have anything else to do in their day. So Judy invites everyone to the wedding and Ash and Co start talking between each other about what they're going to do. And I'm like, Ash and Co are going to steal Snubble. I'd be down for this. I thought that it'd be pretty cool if Ash and Co decide to help Team Rocket steal Snubble and then take them somewhere else that isn't this awful place. But then that would be too exciting a plotline for them to do. It cuts to Team Rocket, who are formulating a plan to steal Snubble. 
why exactly do they want to steal Snubble? Literally, this is the next note, like, which I, I get from a narrative perspective. They want to come in and steal Pokemon, but then, like, they need to do it for Ash and Co. to save the day. But, like, what will they gain from stealing Snubble? The only thing I can think of is them holding Snubble for ransom. Otherwise, they're just stealing a random Pokemon. And it's not a particularly rare one. It's not particularly powerful, which are things that Team Rocket want. So I don't get why they would steal Snubble. They never mention holding them for ransom. They just do it because plot. If they had just add one little line, which is we can steal the snubble and hold it ransom and make a million dollars or whatever they would call it, that would have solved it. But we just don't know why they're going to steal it. So we then see the woman and snubble sat meeting another woman and her snubble, and it's the one with the top hat. This snubble has the best name. What is it? I forgot. This boy's snubble is called Winthrop. Winthrop, because it can't it can't be a regular name. It's got to sound like a posh name. It's Winthrop the Snubble, as opposed to Judy, who just calls her Snubble Snubble. Yeah, she doesn't believe in nicknaming Pokemon, even though she loves it so much. Oh, my Snubbly Wubbly. So there's this shot when they're talking where Judy's holding her Snubble and Snubble's struggling to get free, but it just looks like Snubble's reaching for what is clearly a glass of red wine. I love the idea of Snubble being so sad about its living conditions and it's forced marriage that it's just trying to get drunk it's like just give me the wine i'm sat here with another snubble which i've never met and apparently we're getting married just give me the wine i want the wine what does marriage even entail between pokemon well it's clearly not going to be legal because they're animals they're just dogs but then i think it means that they'll end up living together or something i don't know and she just clearly does not want anything to do with this other snubble because this other snubble is just dumb a male and a female cannot possibly live together without being married. <laughs> Males and females being friends. That doesn't happen. That's just silly. So Ash and Co are watching from behind a bush, but why? They were invited to this thing. Why are they hiding? Because the sneaky sneaks. They're doing the best Team Rocket impression. I feel like in the original, they weren't invited to this thing. But they can't have Ash and Co sneak into this thing. So they were like, oh, you're invited as well. But yeah, they're watching this and then they're hiding behind some bushes. Indoor bushes. Who has indoor bushes? Both women are saying how they keep their snubble indoors and Brock is getting visibly annoyed. So he jumps out of this bush saying enough is enough and starts yelling at them. And Misty tells them that snubble clearly doesn't even want to get married. And they look at snubble who is struggling to get free. The woman says keeping her close and showering her with things is the best way to show that she cares and Ash tells her it's not. And this is kind of cool because, as I said, I like it when they care about Pokemon. Like, the whole show is Pokemon, look at the Pokemon, love the Pokemon, collect the Pokemon kids. So it's cool when we see Ash and Co. reflect these feelings and being like, the the best thing you can do is love and raise them with affection, not just throw money at them. Because money isn't always the best solution. It's good when you give the main characters actual opinions and depth. Especially opinions that will match most of the audience. Like, I'm pretty sure there aren't people watching the show going, no, you don't have to be nice to Pokemon. <laughs> so, Team Rocket appear. They're on the giant chandelier that's above them, which clearly they managed to get onto without it shaking and making noise and people looking up. And then they do the motto with a little bit added in, like, prepare for snubble trouble and make it double trouble snubble trouble. <laughs> So they lower Meowth down on a rope and then Meowth wiggles its tail at Snubble and Snubble bites his tail. And then they throw these weird cuff things that pin everybody down. Like, okay, that's so a weird thing. But they're pretty cool. Okay, there's one of the best lines of this episode. It's when they're like reeling Meowth up with Snubble biting his tail and Jesse's like, sorry to break at the party. James is like, and the marriage. And Meowth is like, I'm in extreme pain here. <laughs> but it's the, like he shouts it, which is like, but it's off screen. 
So it sounds a bit distant. And it's funny. It's like, sorry to break up the party and the marriage. I'm in extreme pain here. It's just, oh, bless you, Meowth. And then it cuts to Team Rocket, who are now in some sort of building. And Jesse says, I can't believe we're trapped in this crummy shed. That's hilarious how they made this grand getaway, but ended up just hiding in a shed. They didn't think through the whole plan. No, they did not. I mean, they got into the mansion somehow, but they can't get back out over the vents for some reason. But yeah, so Jesse asks where the getaway balloon is, and Meow says it's still filling up. And then Jesse and James get mad at Meowth, but Snubble steps in the way, and they say that Snubble must like Meowth, and then Snubble bites his tail again. So pretty much Snubble doesn't like Meowth, she just likes the idea of fighting Meowth. She just likes biting things. She's a fighty person, which is cool, because she is a Pokemon, that's kind of what they do. So Ash says that they have the entire property surrounded, so they need to keep looking as Team Rocket couldn't have escaped yet. And then they hear Meowth scream as Snubble is stuck on his tail again. Jesse calls out Arbok to fight, and then James sends out Weezing. It's always Arbok on Weezing. I think that's the only two they have, really, apart from... Well, Victory Bell comes out more, but Licky Tongue pretty much never comes out. Victory Bell is one of the Yag Pokemon. Victory Bell is every time it comes out, it eats James. And then Ash sends out Heracross. And then Heracross has another Gag one who always goes and eats flowers, which is what he does this time. As usual, the Pokemon battles aren't very interesting. There is an interesting bit, though. And once again, it's Team Rocket because they're always the best. Meowth screaming, get this thing off me. And then Arbok lands on them because Arbok got hit by an attack. And then Snubble shuffles out from underneath Arbok and then walks around to its tail and then bites its tail. It's like, I love it. I love that this novel thing is just, I want to bite these things' tails. It's not even an original thing, though, because Totodile did the exact same thing with Jesse's hair in the very first episode. Yeah, but it's still funny. So the woman appears and tells Snubble to stop, but Brock starts cheering her on instead, and the woman's angry at him, saying how could he do that, and Brock says that she should try it, and that she should tell Snubble to do a tackle attack. So she does, and Snubble attacks and Snubble seems to enjoy fighting. Then Snubble uses Scary Face to stun everybody, and then uses Bite. And basically, Snubble is beating the crap out of Team Rocket, and then her owner is happy at the sight, and says she's never seen Snubble have so much energy. And then the owner of Snubble's quote-unquote fiancé says that it's not very dignified. I'm like, well, well, shut up, Becky. I'm sorry, Pokemon can fight, and some Pokemon love to fight, and that's fine. So police appear to arrest Team Rocket, but their balloon appears and they climb onto it but then ash has to always have the last hit because he's the main character so heracross hits the balloon and it explodes and they all blast off so snubble is now happy because she's had a fight and the woman is proud of snubble and it's like yeah clap 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 clap. well done snubble you had your first battle yay go snubble and then it's the end of the day because this is what it always happens. It's sunset and everything's resolved. So the woman puts Snubble in the garden and says she can do whatever she wants and she won't be keeping her indoors all the time. And Snubble just immediately starts running away and running around and is really happy enjoying the garden and stuff, which is nice. Which is good. And then Ash and Co leave as the woman waves them off and wishes them luck. And then the episode ends. Doesn't Snubble run away though? No, it just runs off to enjoy the garden. They've got like a little forest area in the garden. I got the impression that it escaped from the garden and ran off to follow Ash and Co. No. I guess we'll find out if it's actually escaped or not in future. Or if that was just me misinterpreting it. Because I got the impression that it like sneaked through a hedge while no one was watching. So it could run away. I don't remember, but we'll, we'll find out, I guess. Who was your favourite character? My standout character was Snubble. Because I found them to be quite endearing and adorable. Which one? Definitely the girl. Snubble the Snubble. Yeah, I, I thought Snubble's quite quite nice in this episode. Just all it wants to do is be a little trash Garbo Pokemon and enjoy 
the outside and junk food and fighting. All Snubble's owner wants is for her to be like this dignified, classy lady. And Snubble's like, uh, no, I am trash. I like to be around trash. Let me be around trash. My favorite thing, well, my standout character, sorry, was I want to say Team Rocket, but more specifically Meowth. Team Rocket are just good in this episode, like they're good in every episode, but Meowth, especially the I'm in extreme pain here, just has to suffer in order to steal this Pokemon for some vague reason we don't know. Because that's what they do. Okay, so what was your favorite thing? My favorite thing is that it calls back to James's filler episode, or James's backstory episode, even, because that's confirming that it's a thing that actually happened and this is james's proper backstory and it's good to have consistency across some episodes it gives him more depth of character like even just vaguely referencing it it it, it means that he's a lot more interesting than just time to turn up here and do the thing my favorite thing is the portrayal of the woman or as we call her judy and normally when you have a rich woman they're this loud snobby kind of unlikable person i'm sure we've seen it a couple of times in pokemon and i'm glad we don't have that with this woman in the night way she wants the best for her snubble but she just went about it in the wrong way like she's a nice person she has this snubble who she loves dearly and her view of how to deal with things is the only way she really knows which is to have the best things and the best things have to be the ones that cost the most and then obviously in this episode she learns that sometimes the things that cost the most aren't the best things she doesn't have to find the most expensive food and drown snubble in riches for snubble to be its happiest so yeah i like what they did with her and it was good to see someone who wants the best but isn't going about it in the best way for once it was actually the trainer that had the problem as opposed to the pokemon that is very true actually because it was the trainer that didn't really know how to do the best thing. It's good to see a version of someone who, like, the problem isn't that she's doing something bad. She's just approaching a good thing in a bad way. Her outfit was bad, though. And her lack of an actual name. Because I don't know if it was ever said. It's never said. Whenever it gets mentioned, I'll write it down in, like, the side notes. Just to remember that, uh, that characters have names, but she didn't. Filler or not filler? It's filler. Yeah, it was. But... It was nice filler. It was pretty good filler by filler's standards. We saw Ash and Co actually caring about Pokemon, which is always good, instead of times when Ash is like angry at a Pokemon for being scared of something. And it's also like a problem that we're interested in. It's not a Bellossom can't flip in the air. It's this Pokemon is living a lifestyle that makes it unhappy. Also, Team Rocket were good. Like they're really, they're on, on form this episode with their jokes. Yeah, Team Rocket usually steals the show. They spend all that time stealing Pokemon, but every episode they successfully steal the show. Overall thoughts? There is something I did want to say. Well, this is pretty much in overall thoughts, which is that this is basically James's backstory episode done over again, but this time it's Snubble instead of James. So it is essentially a recycled plot, but with a Pokemon. But to be fair, didn't we also enjoy that episode with James? Yeah, they've recycled a good plot. It was still fun and engaging. But it is something we have seen before. Just this spoiled child doesn't actually want to be spoiled and wants to be free and runs away. Maybe Snubble will now become a criminal and partake in a life of crime. I'd see that. That'd be cool. Okay, overall thoughts? Good filler. Even if it is just James's backstory over again, I did still like it. I didn't really realise that until you told me, and no, like, until you just said it. And yeah, it is it is the exact same plot. But yeah, it, I enjoyed that episode. I enjoyed this episode. Well, Snubble doesn't have parents that are pretending to be dead. No. But Snubble is in an arranged marriage. 
Yeah, I thought it was a good episode. Team Rocket really made it, but everything about this episode was great. Like, there was good pacing. Nothing seemed to drag on for too long. The plot was simple but effective. The woman actually cares for her Pokemon and doesn't know the best way to care for her. Ash and Co, who love Pokemon, show that there are better ways for living the Pokemon. And then literally in the notes, I said better than some dumb blossoms flipping in the air. I think the only thing that we could have changed is, as we said earlier, we could have had them looking at the houses after we get the map instead of that mood swing of, oh, look at all these lovely houses. Let's look at houses. No. Anything else or shall we move on? I think we can move on. Now it's time for Mono Away Mono, where we attempt to compare these episodes. What monsters were new to us? We have Deltamon. The terrifying nightmare monster. I like Deltamon's design. It brings a lot of questions. Like, are those those heads on its arms sentient? I don't know. Yeah, but uh, it's, it's a good Digimon. I like its design. It's good for a threat. Its middle nose is weird. I don't like its middle nose. It just has like a weird white splodge at the end of it. I don't know what else to say other than yes. Snubble. It's quite clearly just supposed to be like a pug. Yeah, that makes sense. What's the one that's like a pug but isn't a pug? A bulldog. Okay, yeah, I think it's supposed to be a bulldog. It basically is that, but pink and still masculine somehow, which is good. I like it. I like Snubble's design. Who was your monster of the week? I think I'm going to say Deltamon. Just because it is a pretty cool and terrifying design. I don't get why Ken didn't use it sooner. Well, the Digimon are in different regions. But then in the first episode, he has that thing where he just picks one. I guess it might just be in that area where he has the prison full of Digimon. He can only really pick Digimon that are local. Ken only uses locally sourced Digimon. He creates jobs for them. He's quite a decent emperor, really. My monster was Meowth. As I said earlier, he's funny and he's also a little tragic. He's a good cat. It makes sense for dogs to chase cats in the context of the episode. That makes sense. Who was worse, Ash or Davis? I'm going to say Ash. Okay. Because Ash basically didn't do anything, really. Apart from being like, be nice to your Pokemon. Whereas Davis had a lot more going on with his character this time. I was quite happy with Davis and how he behaved. Well, yeah, like half the episode is literally about him playing football. There was... A lot of focus on Davis, and he didn't use it all to just be like, I like Kari, because she's a girl. Like, he actually had screen time where he had to make decisions and perform in football acts. But yeah, I think that Ash was worse. I did have Davis, because the episodes focus on sports, but like, I think you're right. It's not worse as in Ash was bad, it was just, he just didn't do as much. Ash was a background character, as he is in all of the best episodes. Which storyline did you prefer? I preferred Pokemons, I think, even if it is just James's over again. Yeah, I agree, mostly because there were less sports in it. As I said, I'm not really a sports person, and I don't need 15 minutes, 10 minutes of a 20-minute of a episode to be about the sport ball. Any notable similarities? There are large stretches of grass in both episodes. Uh-huh. That's the first one that comes to mind. I have no notes for these, because I didn't make any. Yeah, no, I couldn't really find any similarities. I'm trying to think if there's any similarities between, like, Snubble and Ken. They both have different personalities than what we see of them. Differences I've got. In Digimon, it felt like there was so much padding. It was mostly just sports and talk about how amazing Ken is to really drive home the fact that you need to like Ken as a character, even though he is a creepy weirdo. I don't know if it wants you to like Ken so much as see him as more of a threat. No, I think it's supposed to be that we are, like, impressed with Ken's abilities and things that he can do. Yeah, but it doesn't mean we have to like him. And then Pokemon, like, even though it was filler, it did give us a chance to see the kids actually care about Pokemon, which is good, because that's kind of the whole point of Pokemon. But apart from that, like, they were quite different episode-wise. Very different episodes. 
there are always very different episodes. But sometimes they have similar things, like, but we've literally seen this plot before with Pokemon. That's a difference. Digimon was different, and it was actually kind of like a different, it was kind of like a sports anime for a lot of it. And then Pokemon was a reused episode of filler. I don't think Pokemon has the lyrics in most of its songs, whereas Digimon has a lot of lyrical music. Lots of music that you could probably put into football. With the words and the spots. And you run around, I run around, we all run around, run, run around. Okay, who do you think deserves the point then? I think that I will let you decide first. Oh, okay. Uh, I chose Pokemon because it was overall more enjoyable. Like The jokes were funnier and I wasn't clock watching watching this as opposed to Digimon where I was like, oh, we're like a good 10 minutes into this episode and we're still at the football field. Well, I was going to pick Digimon because I liked the football bits still, but I guess that's just because I'm more okay with football and watching football. You enjoy football. I do not care for it. I mean, it isn't the best display of football in anime. Of course, because it's Digimon and it's not a football anime. But I still enjoyed it, even... They, they could have been playing a sport I don't care about, and it would have been okay still, because it would have functioned the same. Cool. So you okay with Pokemon having the point? Yeah, I'm okay with giving Pokemon the point. It was a fun episode. I still enjoyed it, even if it was filler. Which makes the score 5-3 to Pokemon. Considering they've been in forests, I was expecting it to be a bit different. Join us again next time where we'll be discussing the ninth episode. The Little Bighorn and the Emperor's New Home. The Little Bighorn? It sounds like a mountain. Something in Pokemon with mountains? Or maybe it's something to do with Heracross and it's Little Bighorn. Maybe. So, thanks for listening. You can listen to Moe's on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher or YouTube where we like getting reviews and comments. And you can message us via our Facebook, Twitter, with the wall thread and email which are all linked in the show notes. You can also join us on Discord if you want to have a chat with us. Maybe for just being there sometimes, it's linked. Oh, okay. Yeah, so if, if you ever want to be on Discord, I think Stevie's on it a lot. And then there's other random people from things we know and stuff that like to be in there and hang out and talk about games and art and stuff. It's cool. It's fun. Just pop in and have a chat. And you can also support me on Patreon if you want to be super duper extra nice. And that'd be amazing. So thanks to all my patrons, by the way. You're awesome people. Your patrons. Yes, my patrons. They're not yours, Sam. They're mine. I do this for free. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening, folks. And we will see you again on Tuesday, perhaps. Maybe a Friday. Who knows what day. You should know that they come out. It's Moncast Mondays now, which means that they come out every Monday. But. They might not listen on a Monday. Who knows when people will listen? They could listen on any day of the week, Sam. Fine, we will see you the next time you turn this thing on. Because we can see you when you listen to our podcast. Sometimes. Sometimes. I go out by myself and look across the, the border. And I think of all and the I things. I think of all the things. What you do in my head, I paint a picture. Yeah, that's the main one. Since you come on home. And my body's bad and I miss your ginger hair and the way you like to dress. Why don't you come on over? Stop making a fool out of me. Why don't you come on over, Valerie? I cannot sing. Why don't you come on over, Valerie? Yeah, I cannot sing at all. I'm so sorry. Cool. Uh, so yeah, uh, Bye, folks. Bye. <laughs> Bye. The longest outro we've ever done. Bye. La, 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 la.
first episode we're watching is Ken's Secret. That's not what the cheat sheet says. Does it not? Does it not just say, let's start with Ken's Secret? Oh, I just ad-libbed it. We're not watching Ken's Secret, though. We're discussing it. Well, I guess we'll have to do it that way then. Let's start with... Ken's Secret. I know, I'm letting out gas. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (sighs) It's going to be a long recording. Let's start with Chronic Heartburn. <laughs> what do you like about Chronic Heartburn? That I don't have it. I like how it makes you feel like there's a fire inside you at all times, and it's trying to get out. Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> the delicious taste of burning. <clears throat> this is the closest to being an Agamon you've ever been. That actually makes me really happy. I'm so... <laughs> thank you for making me feel better. <laughs> Although, if I do fire out, like, whatever's inside me, it will not be Pepper Breath. <laughs> It will be sad and tragic and awful. Extremely, extremely disgusting. Right. Davis comes to this conclusion that if he can even get close to beating Ken, that he'll become a lidging lidging leavened. (laughs) I'm not firing on all cylinders today. A living Uh, legend. A living legend, exactly. I mean, to be fair, they had their Digimon with them. And I think I would go and sit through an episode of Sportball. An episode of Sportball! (laughs) Oh my god, why am I so... <laughs> it's called a match, Sam. No, what you do is you play an episode of Sportball <laughs> to do a goal. <laughs> I wish I was joking about this. I'm being so serious that I just... I, I'm not... I can't... I, I just... I don't know. Now let's talk about Snubble Snobbery. <laughs> oh my god. Yes, please. Okay giant digimon i didn't think it would be that big but it's basically like a blue it looks almost like um, pardon you said blue uh-huh oh sorry i went dabba dee dabba die <sighs> okay i'm sorry all my brain can manage today is just bad song references <laughs> but i like um i like the fact that the kids are going matter. pardon just ignore me i'm dying <laughs> oh okay the kids are in the majestic town of Palm Hills, which um, Brock says, which is, for me, it's code for this episode is filler, because anytime filler it's night. not, you just say it's filler night. It's filler, <laughs> filler night. There we go. And then I don't know any more words beyond that. It's some kind of Michael Jackson song. It, it sounds all right, because it's a filler. Side note. I do enjoy a good I bath. don't have a bath in my in my house we have a, like a massive oh. stand-in shower which is nice but i'm a bath person i could put i could be in a bath for four hours it's fine like that's what i do that's what i like to do i like to soak but we have a shower so baths look really nice in anything you ever ever see things with baths like just the nice i don't know that i'm trying to think of a way you could have a bath in a shower but i can't that's been bath moments <laughs> it's a new segment bath moments uh, I'm sorry, losing my voice. Just keep an eye on it and it won't get away from you. I'll just put it in a box somewhere. <clears throat> so Misty says that she's never seen a dining room. Uh, a dining woman? <laughs> Misty says she's never seen a dining woman so big. <laughs> I've never seen women eat before. No, honestly, the entire sentence is like it's supposed to be it never, sees a di- never seen a dining room so big. So it kind of, she's never seen a dining woman so big. So mean. <laughs> I've never seen a woman eat food who's so as big as you. Please leave. Please leave now. I guess it's closer. Oh, sorry. One sec. Bandit wants hugs. He's literally jumped. Oh. 
he's literally like gone up on hind legs and put his hands on a shoulder, which is like signal for he wants to snuggle. So I've got to pick him up. Oh, can you hear him? No, sadly. One sec. What about now? No, Discord is failing me. <laughs> well, you need to know that from now on, I've got a uh, a cat in my ar- uh, on my shoulder. Well, in my arms. Can you can you send pics of the kitty? Oh, one sec. I would, I would, but I haven't got my phone next to me. Um, no. yeah, no, he does this thing like when he wants a hug, he comes over to you and like he'll walk up your like fr- he'll walk his two front legs up onto your shoulder. Which is signal for I would like to be up there. So you have to sort of pick him up. Oh, because we spent all of his youth. I mean, he's still young, but all of his like kitten stage uh, holding him like that. So now he like likes to chill out on us. <laughs> oh wait, now he's on the other side with the microphone. That's cool. So you might hear purring. 